I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a red wave in a red sea. It's high noon for Monday, December 28th, 2020. Follow the podcast on Parlor and Rumble at I'm Your Moderator. Or join the info stream on Telegram, the Messenger app. It's a channel. You just go to t.me slash I'm Your Moderator after downloading the app. And you click join at the bottom. If you want to join the discussion thread with fellow patriots, t.me slash be reasonable discussion also on the telegram messenger app got it and one last thing if you don't mind if you haven't done it and if you listen on apple podcasts go leave a rating and a review it would be so nice i would just love it it would warm my little heart. Now, I apologize for not putting up an episode on Christmas Day. I intended to. I even intended to at various times on Christmas Day. But Christmas got a little busy. Started off with some mimosas and FaceTime with La Familia. And uh, then I took a nap. To tell you the truth. And my motivation for the uh, Christmas Day episode waned slightly with the big story of the day being the bombing in Nashville. And I was like, well, how do I make a Christmas episode out of this? So I uh, took a pass on that. And. I don't love talking about things when there's not enough information to really get a full story on it. And I felt like that's where that was. So I guess we can start out there on Friday morning at about 630 and RV was on the street in Nashville and some announcements went off that people should evacuate the area. And then something exploded and did a hell of a lot of damage to a bunch of buildings over there. That block looks like it may as well be in Aleppo. If you don't know where that is, don't ask Gary Johnson. And this does not seem to be a terrorist attack. If it were, you'd imagine that they probably wouldn't have provided a warning for people to evacuate. Usually terrorist attacks are intended to inflict human casualties, and this one clearly was not. 
or it was the most incompetent terrorist act ever because they warned them to get out. And it was really eerie, like this loudspeaker just saying, if you can hear this message, evacuate the area now. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> Imagine waking up to that on Christmas morning. So the building that was blown up was some sort of AT&T building. And there's a lot of speculation about connections between this and Dominion, whether there was data intentionally being destroyed here as part of a Dominion investigation. And it's hard to say, it's hard to get anything conclusive on what this actually was. You know, people are doing a lot of great work online and trying to connect all the dots, trying to figure out what this could have meant because it is such an unusual event. The FBI was immediately on the investigation of this, and now they have a suspect, quote-unquote, whose name is Anthony Quinn Warner. And they reported fairly early on that there were human remains found in the debris or in the RV or whatever. And there's speculation that that is Anthony Quinn Warner's dead body. This also is very strange. Among other things, Anthony Quinn Warner had transferred two pieces of property to an executive named Michelle Swing at Anschutz Entertainment Group, AEG. They run and own entertainment venues around the country, arenas, stadiums, concert halls. They own sports teams. They own a lot. And so Warner gave this woman two properties. He signed the deeds over to her for zero dollars. And she says that she doesn't even know the man. Again, just the weirdest imaginable thing. There's also video that seems to make it look like the explosion actually occurred across the street from the RV. And that's real strange because the thing is, we're kind of past the point of accepting the main story as true and then convincing ourselves that there are ways to disbelieve what we see with our own eyes. That has been the way we do things forever. You say, oh, well, you know, we couldn't have known the news organizations. They put in the work. They know what this is. And of course, they're responsible. They're telling us the truth about this bombing. I mean, they tell us the truth about everything else, right? I have no reason to believe the central narrative whatsoever. And it's very, very strange to go, to just go blow up a building, making sure that people would get out in time so that no one would die. I mean, it makes no sense. And this is the problem <laughs> I was having on Friday. And I was like, nah, 
I don't think I can go talk about this in any intelligent way. In fact, I'm not sure I'm talking about it in an intelligent way right now. But the interesting thing was yesterday, they said that there was also a bomb threat at the Empire State Building. Now, there are reports of people close to this situation who said there was no such threat. And that's worth paying attention to. And we've talked about this before. Invisible events are often used to make us think and believe certain things. Now, there's no way that we can possibly confirm or deny that this bomb threat actually even occurred. All we know is that the news told us it did. And Twitter told us it did. So what do you use something like that for? Well, following the Nashville bombing, if there's another bomb threat, we know that the Nashville thing happened, so we're more likely to imagine that there really was a bomb threat and that maybe we're just in the early stages of a spate of bombings with political motivations, terror motivations, who knows what. But all we have right now that there was any bomb threat at the Empire State Building is hearsay, reporting. But also in the past few days, a building in Rochester, a printing facility, where ballots were printed, was burned completely to the ground. And there's no sign of any of the equipment actually being in there. So that's very weird. It's difficult to be sure what to make of any of this. But we can be sure that the central narrative is wrong, that they are lying intentionally as they lie about everything else. When I said a while back, this is probably in the summer, that what we're dealing with is state media. We imagine this as all these independent media organizations who are pretending to hold the state to account. In fact, that's what the journalists say. They believe it's their duty to make Donald Trump look wrong all the time. They'll actually come out and say that. Our job is holding the president to, to account. It's taking the president to task. No. Your job is telling the American people the truth. And if that intersects with taking the president to task, fine. Where was that? In the Obama era. That wasn't happening. That was not what they believed their job to be back then. The idea that they're speaking truth to power is a false idea. If they ever did, they certainly don't now. But in the last five years, they have not been on a search for truth about Donald Trump. It has been one bullshit story after the next, the 2016 election, the Russia hoax, Michael Flynn, 
the Mueller investigation, impeachment, COVID, Black Lives Matter, this election. Not only has the central narrative been wrong at times, it's been wrong in full. If they ever tell you something true, they're shading it with a political bias meant to lead your opinion where they want it to go. They're not trying to give you all the best information so that you can understand the situation for yourself. You're just supposed to continually memorize their string of lies and bullshit and retconning retroactive continuity. It's where they kind of reframe the past so that it still makes some measure of sense relative to what they now have to tell us. We know they do that. We see it all the time. So the point really is not to believe any of it. Like you can be fully informed without ever reading anything that bubbles up from the newsrooms of the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or any of the mainstream media. It is totally possible to be informed without that. And that's where we're headed. Again, another thing I've been talking about since April is the end of the mainstream media. The decentralization of information. It's more work. It's harder. You don't get the nice, neat narrative all the time that you get from the state media. That's true. And that leaves people feeling very uncomfortable. It leaves me feeling uncomfortable sometimes. But the answer to that is just patience. You have to wait. You have to keep waiting. We cannot know what the Nashville bombing meant, means, at this point. And that sucks. We can't know what a lot of things are in full at this point. But that uncertainty is still better than believing a lie and moving on. And that's the purpose of the state media. They're saying, hey, you see this thing? Don't worry about looking at that. We're going to tell you what it is. Take our word for it. That's not good enough. So last night, these same outlets all reported that Donald Trump caved by signing this COVID relief bill. And some of them even included passages from Donald Trump's statement about this while not including the full statement. And so you have to ask why. Now here's the statement. As president of the United States, it is my responsibility to protect the people of our country from the economic devastation and hardship that was caused by the China virus. I understand that many small businesses have been forced to close as a result of harsh actions by Democrat-run states. Many people are back to work, but my job is not done until everyone is back to work. 
Fortunately, as a result of my work with Congress in passing the CARES Act earlier this year, we avoided another Great Depression. Under my leadership, Project Warp Speed has been a tremendous success. My administration and I developed a vaccine many years ahead of wildest expectations, and we are distributing these vaccines and others soon coming to millions of people. As president, I have told Congress that I want far less wasteful spending and more money going to the American people in the form of $2,000 checks per adult and 600 per child. As president, I am demanding many rescissions under the Impoundment Control Act of 1974. The act provides that whenever the president determines that all or part of any budget authority will not be required to carry out the full objectives or scope of programs for which it is provided, or that such budget authority should be rescinded for fiscal policy or other reasons, including termination of authorized projects or activities for which budget authority has been provided, the president shall transmit to both houses of Congress a special message describing the amount to be reserved, the relevant accounts, the reasons for the rescission, and the economic effects of the rescission. From 2 U.S. Code, Section 683. I will sign the omnibus and COVID package with a strong message that makes clear to Congress that wasteful items need to be removed. I will send back to Congress a redlined version, item by item, accompanied by the formal rescission request to Congress, insisting that those funds be removed from the bill. I am signing this bill to restore unemployment benefits, stop evictions, provide rental assistance, add money for PPP, return our airline workers back to work, add substantially more money for vaccine distribution, and much more more. On Monday, the House will vote to increase payments to individuals from $600 to $2,000. Therefore, a family of four would receive $5,200. Additionally, Congress has promised that Section 230, which so unfairly benefits big tech at the expense of the American people, will be reviewed and either be terminated or substantially reformed. Likewise, the House and Senate have agreed to focus strongly on the very substantial voter fraud which took place in the November 3rd presidential election. The Senate will start the process for a vote that increases checks to $2,000, repeals Section 230, and starts an investigation into voter fraud. Big tech must not get protections of Section 230. Voter fraud must be fixed. Much more money is coming. I will never give up my fight for the American people. Now, much of the reaction to this has been that the line item veto is not something and that redlining cannot be done and that this bill will just be passed now as is. And maybe those people are correct, but if they are correct, that would be an example of not only Donald Trump getting rolled by Congress, but Donald Trump rolling himself. And I'm not sure I can think of too many, if any, instances where Donald Trump has subjected himself to that, especially not in a statement like this. If he was going to get rolled, you'd think he would have just sucked it up and taken it. This doesn't sound like that. And now people might say, yeah, well, the president's just doing this for politics, and it's not going to make any material difference. Again, maybe, maybe. But he doesn't do that very often, if at all. He believes 
that he has a legitimate way to stop this, to stop the spending he doesn't like and all the other stuff in the bill he doesn't like. And so he pushed this back to Congress. Now, there's talk of this 45 day window where the money wouldn't be able to be spent for 45 days. But at the end of 45 days, then it would be able to be spent the way that Congress initially asked for it. But what if the president has a bigger plan? The president has seemed to have had a bigger plan for all of this for a long time. You know, people doubt that. People think it's a silly idea. People think it's a conspiracy theory. People think that this comes from just the dark, pathetic corners of the web where all the people who don't know anything just chatter about stuff that never comes to pass. Maybe. But Donald Trump did write the executive order in 2018 about foreign interference in American elections. That happened. He really did write that. Now, people are getting frustrated that they haven't seen it be enacted yet. And maybe that frustration is warranted. I don't think that frustration is a particularly actionable reaction to any of this. Frustration is just a feeling that we can alleviate, that we can control, that we can understand. Donald Trump didn't write that executive order for nothing. That remains true. He wrote that executive order because he had seen voter fraud and he anticipated more voter fraud. And that's still what all of this is about. We can count up all the frustrations and the things that we think are mistakes and all of that. But none of that defeats the fact that he really did write that executive order. And you have to think that he really did plan on using it. And you know for a fact that he anticipated the voter fraud because he talked about it in rallies all year long. I often think back to when the mainstream media was freaking out because they said Donald Trump told voters in North Carolina to vote twice. That's not what he told them. He told them that if they voted by mail, they should show up at the polling place on Election Day and see if their vote had been counted. And if it had not, then they should vote in person. That's what he told them. But they reframed it a different way because they didn't like the message the way he said it. So they tried to change the narrative about his message. And you could see them doing it. Bill Barr even went on with Wolf Blitzer to talk about that very thing. They tried to change the narrative on that, and there was a reason that they tried to change the narrative. Because what Donald Trump was saying was legitimate, and they didn't want that legitimate message to go out. This is the same reason why they concocted the mailbox conspiracy, where Donald Trump was stealing their mailboxes so that their mail-in ballots wouldn't work. Well, their mail-in ballots didn't work because Donald Trump beat them by way more than they anticipated. That's why they brought hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots in after the fact in all of these states. 
That's not a mystery. That happened. So Trump has been on it the entire time. And even people like me have been on it the entire time. I was saying in May that the COVID relief packages contained universal unsolicited mail-in balloting and universal nationwide ballot harvesting. There is no reason to try to include those in a COVID relief plan because they have nothing to do with COVID except the bullshit story where people wouldn't be able to go vote safely in person. Well, millions and millions and millions of people went and voted safely in person. Where are the news stories about outbreaks at polling centers? Anywhere? No, of course not. Would we have heard about them? Yep. Did we hear about them? Nope. All you need to know. So COVID was never a danger, but the Democrats wanted to pass it. Why did Democrats want to pass universal mail-in balloting? Well, for this exact system, for this system of fraud. That's the same reason why Mark Zuckerberg put in half a billion dollars of his own money to make that systemic fraud, systematic fraud, I should say, easier, more possible, more widespread. That's what all that was for. Trump was watching this. You know he was watching it because he wrote an executive order for it two years prior. The idea that Trump wasn't watching and that his people weren't watching would be crazy. They knew voter fraud was coming. They anticipated it. They tracked it and it happened. That's where we are. It doesn't matter what the news says. That's where we are. So let's imagine for a second that the president really does have better information than we do. And of course he does. He's the president. It is part of the central narrative to believe that Donald Trump is incompetent, doesn't know what he's doing, is stupid, is making things up, is a conspiracy theorist, etc., etc. You have to in some way, believe all those things to take their word for it that Donald Trump doesn't have a plan for this too. He didn't include the Impoundment Control Act for nothing. If he gets a 45-day delay on these expenditures but can get the money out that he wants immediately, that is a win for him. If the election fraud exists and is proven and is accepted legally in the way he believes it happened and in the way I believe it happened, that is also going to affect the House and Senate. It has to. There's no way it can't. The cheating wasn't only for Joe Biden against Donald Trump. The cheating was rampant. It was everywhere. It will affect other races when this all comes down. There is no guarantee right now that the number of House members we currently see are going to be the number in 45 days. There is still a lot to develop 
And we know that. We know there's a lot to develop. Every time the central narrative has said, well, that was it. That was the last day. Joe Biden's president. They have had to confront issue after issue after issue about how that's not actually true. They said it on November 7th. Four days after the election, they announced that all the media organizations had agreed, the AP had called it, that Joe Biden was going to be president. That didn't work. So they did it again, and they did it again, and they did it again. And we're just in another part of the process where they've done it again. Is it true? Not yet it's not. We still have January 6th, and if somehow... Mike Pence abdicates his duty on January 6th. The fight is still not over. They're not just going to let Joe Biden be inaugurated and that be the end. It's not going to happen. Now, it's important to remember that multiple slates of electors were sent by multiple states. So when Mike Pence has those envelopes of the electoral votes, he's going to have two competing sets of electors that he must choose between. And he can declare that no election was actually held because what happened was fraud. The media can call that a conspiracy theory all they like. And they can say that Mike Pence would be irresponsible if he were to do that or if that was that that was a coup. They can say that till the end of days. It doesn't make it true. The process continues. The votes certified in those states are fraudulent in Wisconsin right now. They are challenging legally challenging individual ballots as prescribed by the court, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. They're challenging the ballots where people claimed indefinite confinement or election officials designated them as indefinitely confined because of COVID. That was not legal. When they did that, that was not legal. There could be up to 200,000 votes there that are illegal and that can be wiped from the count. And the Trump campaign is now in the process of figuring out how many of those votes fit that description. And they claim now to already have somewhere in the range of 25 to 30 percent of those votes that they have now designated as illegal that will be stripped from the count. And that is already out of some 200 odd thousand uh, indefinitely confined designations. 25 to 30%, that's in the 40 to 50 plus thousand range of votes. That's more already than the difference that Trump has to make up for in Wisconsin. So is it not possible that Pence is going to challenge that? Is that really what we're going to be told? That though the court said that these votes are illegal, if only you can find them, and then they find them, 
We're not supposed to take those votes out. Wisconsin couldn't flip under that scenario. If that's the case, then we are in big trouble. But the same thing happened in other states, just in different ways. We can see the fraud with our own eyes in Georgia. A truck full of ballots designated for Pennsylvania disappeared into thin air, already filled out mail-in ballots being transported from New York to Pennsylvania, disappeared. No problem there. In Maricopa County, the Arizona State Senate subpoenaed all the election equipment and the Arizona County Board of Commissioners or Board of Supervisors voted to not comply with the subpoena so that they could hang it up in court for longer. Now, that's an obvious delay tactic. They can't think they have the legal right to not comply with the subpoena. So what they're doing is delaying because they think at some point it just won't matter and then they can sweep it under the rug because they know that they have corruption from the top down there to protect them, which is what all of these people think. They all think that they can get Biden into position, get his attorney general, Andrew Cuomo, maybe. And then none of them are going to have to answer for their crimes. And these are crimes. They are participating in the theft of an American election. And they're hoping that they will just get away with it by cheating well enough to achieve their desired outcome. That's sick. Mike Pence is able to throw out the electors from all the states with competing electors. He can also choose to use the Republican electors. And he should choose that because the states did not certify legitimate votes. They certified a ton of illegitimate votes. We're either a society of law or we're not. And if we're not, then we have reached full dystopia. There are still 10 days left for this to develop. And then after that, there's still more time. There will always be more time. Because the crime really did happen. They're not just going to allow themselves, and I'm talking about Trump and his campaign and the 80 plus million people who voted for him, are not just going to allow themselves to be bulldozed by fraud and corruption. That isn't going to happen. And if people don't like the answer of trust the plan or trust the process or be patient, then do something. Call your congressmen and senators and demand that they contest the election as well. There are contingents now in the House and Senate. No matter what Mitch McConnell does, he's trying to to snuff this out. Hopefully, Tommy Tuberville and others will not allow that to happen. 
No one should prioritize Mitch McConnell's needs over the country's needs. If these Republicans don't think that they're going to get primaried, that they're going to get taken out of office for refusing to stand with the president, they're going to be wrong. And if these two Georgia senators think that they're going to win on January 5th, if they don't stand up for the president, they're going to be wrong too. The president's going down there to host a rally for them on January 4th. That'll be a very interesting event because there's still a lot to happen by January 4th. But what I'm saying is even these people who are looking out for their own best interests in terms of political expediency, the ability to get reelected, they're making a very, very bad judgment there. And of course, they must know this. So on some level, you have to assume that these people are either being bought off, shamed off, or otherwise threatened or compromised. There's no good moral argument for what they're doing. And this argument that, that liberals use, oh, we just don't want to see the country in a civil war. Oh, really? Well, then why are you supporting a fraudulent election? What do you think is going to cause a civil war faster than that? It's funny, too, because they claim that everything has to be this certain way to prevent civil war, even though they're the ones causing it. And they're also doing that while being the side that would have no power in that scenario. Do you think the military's on their side? They swore an oath to protect the Constitution and protect the country. Do you think veterans are on their side? Of course not. And they're also not the side that has the hundreds of millions of guns in this country. Civil war is a bad idea no matter what. But the side saying that it is the worst thing that could possibly happen, and it may well be the worst thing that could possibly happen. But they're the ones causing it, and they're also the ones who would be guaranteed to lose it, or more or less guaranteed. I mean, the military would have to begin targeting patriots for them not to succeed. But hopefully we don't go down that path at all, obviously. But it's very odd to be supporting the overthrow of government through a fraudulent election and then complaining that not going along with their plan would cause a civil war. That's nonsense. Now, right as I've been recording, a little telegram notification popped up on my computer screen. And Donald Trump just retweeted. It's not election fraud, it's treason. Well, that sounds like Donald Trump is not giving up at all. No one else should either. Now, before I go, I just want to talk about COVID a little bit because Anthony Fauci is out there 
changing his mind. He has now admitted to telling Americans the wrong number about how much herd immunity would be needed from the vaccine. Or I should say how many people need to be vaccinated before we achieve herd immunity, which is also a lie because herd immunity can also come from people getting infected and then having antibodies. The WHO just changed that on their website. They're just pretending now that herd immunity can only be achieved through vaccine, which just is not true. We didn't just discover a new medical fact. They just wiped away the old one. That's insane. But Fauci admitted that he didn't think the American people were ready for what he really thought. And he's been doing this the whole time. Remember, Anthony Fauci initially said that masks don't work. Now he's saying and has been saying that he said that so that they could preserve PPE for healthcare workers. But if masks helped, if the bandana that I wear when I'm out at businesses, shopping, getting a coffee, whatever else, if my bandana actually does something, why didn't he say we need to hold the N95s and medical grade masks back for the healthcare workers, but everyone can help by doing their part and wrapping a small piece of cloth around their face. That's what you would have done if you weren't lying and aren't lying now. Because either the mask that I'm wearing does help or doesn't help. And of course it doesn't help, but we pretend it helps. And it's the pretending that's really important. Always the pretending, always making sure that everybody agrees that the story we're telling each other is true, because if we don't all agree, then people are going to get upset. And you know what happens when that happens? Don't let the commies get upset because they might attack you or censor you or cancel you. You don't want to upset a maskey. They might yell at you in public. Oh, no. Oh, no. A maskey is yelling again. It's not that scary. Trust me. I know a lot of people don't like confrontation. Learn to like confrontation. Do you think the left has a problem with confrontation? They don't care about anything. They are happy to use their power to silence and demean you whenever possible. They do it in every single venue. Stop allowing them that. If they want to say something to you, just turn around and say, hey, masks don't work. And they can say, yes, the science says so. Really? Ask them, how many studies have you read? Have you read all the new studies that say masks don't work? And have you read all the old studies that say masks don't work? Or have you only read those few studies released over the summer pretending that masks work, even though none of them were in randomized controlled trials. Ask them that. Ask them how the mask works. Ask them why Fauci lied about the masks. 
Ask him, ask them why he couldn't have simply said, wrap a bandana around your face. You'll save the world. Well, the reason is because he knows that's not true or he would have said it. I mean, certainly he's not bought off by big mask. That's not the answer. He didn't say it because it's not true. Then when they decided to go into masking, he said it. And now everybody has to say it, even though we all know it's not true. We all are being made complicit in this lie. And the more of it that we accept, the worse it becomes. Because they stack more. More lies on top of more lies on top of more lies. And as long as the central narrative goes along with it, and as long as we have enough commies to repeat it, that's how it's going to continue. We all need to stop complying with this bullshit. It's not insensitive to tell people that masks don't work. If they're going to try to blame you for someone's death, tell them to go fuck themselves. And ask them, where is the, where's the death spike in Florida? Where is it? Where is it in all these other states where people don't wear masks unless they want to? Oh, but cases, cases are rising. Yeah, cases are rising because we have tests that yield false positives on purpose. And we test healthy people. That's crazy. That's like going and getting an x-ray on your leg just to make sure it isn't broken. I mean, there's no reason you have to believe that it's broken, of course. You haven't hurt it. You haven't hurt yourself. You've just been hanging around inside, enjoying your Christmas holiday in the comfort of your very nice home. Hopefully. Would you go get an x-ray to see if your leg is broken? That would be utterly insane. But we're doing the same thing for COVID. And we know the test is bullshit. The owner, the, the guy that made the test says it's bullshit. We know the cycle threshold is too high. We know we're getting tons of false positives. And we know now two Minnesota state senators are actually contesting this. They're saying that 40% of the COVID deaths in their state are specifically not from COVID, even though they are counted that way, 40%. And it's probably a lot higher than that in a lot of places. They are testing people who died from other things. Finding them positive for COVID and then marking them as a COVID death. They also can declare things COVID just based on the symptoms. We know flu is now gone. Why? Because COVID is the fucking flu. A COVID-like illness. Got it. You mean the flu? So that's a positive COVID test, even without a test? They can still call that positive. That's been true the entire time. The amount of this that we should be believing is none of it.
None of it. Where are the excess deaths that we heard about? This year is going to have the same amount of deaths as any normal year. Who did we save? Nobody. Did we save anybody? Anyone at all? No. Are hospitals overwhelmed? Nope. Are they changing how they count things so that they can say they're overwhelmed? Yeah. Are nurses dancing in TikTok videos? Yup. Why are they doing that? Well, one, they don't take their jobs very seriously. Two, they're quite certain they're not in a crisis. And three, because communists are morons and they want to watch that. That makes them feel like they're all conquering COVID together. On CNN last week, or maybe it was MSNBC, they had a doctor come on that said COVID was going to be a decades long crisis. Decades long. That means 10, 20 or more years of dealing with COVID, of being told, oh, my God, COVID's scary now. Everybody go inside and shut your doors. Don't come back out. You're not essential. Sorry about your job. Sorry about your livelihood. Sorry about your ability to uh, feed your kids. But you know what? We're going to give you $500 a week. And with that $500 a week, we suggest that you move into a tiny place in the middle of nowhere. And while you're there, you can go fuck yourself. UBI. I love how the very smart people in like that whole intellectual dark web contingent online. I really, really used to like those guys, but I'm not sure anyone's become more intellectually disappointing than Sam Harris and Eric Weinstein and all these guys. Eric Weinstein on his last episode of his podcast said specifically that he was not going to talk about any of these issues because he didn't want to get banned from Twitter. And he complained about their censorship, but was like, I've put a lot of work into getting these 500,000 followers. So I can't I can't close down my Twitter. It'll just be, it'll just be such a crisis. No, it won't Eric get on a different fucking platform. If you don't have the faith in your ability to rebuild your community, you don't have a community. If you don't have faith in your ability to lead people onto another network or another platform and then repeat your former success, and still be able to communicate to people, then you don't have a community now. Maybe there are people who like a tweet of yours every now and then. Maybe there are people who followed you but don't give a shit anymore. They don't really like what you say anymore, but they haven't unfollowed you yet. The truth is you only have a small part of the community now. And that part of the community is more than happy to follow you to another platform. And if you think that's too dangerous for you, then you're a pussy and stop pretending you're telling the truth to people because you're not. You're specifically saying you are afraid to talk about certain things because you're worried about your Twitter follower account. What could be more pathetic than that? What could be more pathetic than a grown man, an intelligent man? Saying that he's too concerned about his Twitter follower account to tell the truth. 
That's how we got here. That's the brand of intellectual weakness that got us here. But these guys all believe that Andrew Yang is like the future of intellectual politics. No, he's not. Universal basic income isn't some like genius idea. It's just giving money to people. That's not genius. That's just expensive welfare. And he says he's going to do it by taxing Amazon. Got it, buddy. Oh, yeah, you're going to get that Amazon tax passed? Sure you are. The Democrats are going to help you with that? Oh, yeah, right. You're just going to take the money using modern monetary theory, and you're just going to create it. And you're going to cause inflation. That's all you're going to do. That's not intellectually rigorous. It's a scheme to convince dumb people that, hey, here you go. Here's your money. And people like Sam Harris and Eric Weinstein think that's smart because they're like, well, that's okay for people that don't have any money. So now I get to say that I support giving them money and then wash your hands of that. I still have my money. That's cool. Like, this is not going to affect me. They're going to take the money from someone else and give it to another group of people. And I know that that group of people is really hurting. So I want them to have money. And then I'm going to stay the same. Other people are going to have less money. And then these people are going to have more money. But I'm going to stay the same. This isn't going to affect me. And that's actually what's so smart about it. Is that everything that I have stays exactly how it was. The people I don't like, their stuff gets worse. And the people I do like, their stuff gets better. So look at that. I'm a hero by not doing anything. Congratulations, intellectual dark web. You're not intellectual. You're not in the dark anymore. All your ideas are just mainstream ideas. But you don't like wokeness. Got it. What a bold platform. What amazing, magnificent thinkers we are blessed with in this country. All right. Sorry for how long this is. I know I skipped Friday. Some of this I'm catching up on. I didn't want to not talk about shit. You know how it is. Anyway, I'll be back at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!